group this week and, you know, seeing how the sheep are on the right and the goats are on the left. <coughs> I thought there'd be more people sitting on this side today, but, you know... <laughs> All right. It's official. This is the right. Don't, don't go looking for loopholes. Um, all right, so we are uh, making progress, I hope, through our fruit of the spirit. And um, if thank you. <coughs> we have worked our way through a good chunk, two-thirds of the way through the, the fruit of the spirit now. And uh, we're seeing that there's a lot of overlap in the in the terms, you know, that, that these are not distinct things. We're also seeing that each of us are expected God is giving us all of these things to some degree. We, we can't, um, you know, opt out of patience. <laughs> and like, hey, I, I go to church with Job, and so, you know, between him and me, we've got an average of 50 when it comes to patience, right? He's got 100, I got zero, but as a church, we're in great shape, right? Not, not how it works, okay? So we're, we're looking for, for God to, to increasingly grow through His Spirit all of these in, in our lives, and uh, we work we work with him in that, uh, in that process. Now, the fruit of the Spirit has a context. Uh, and the context is the book of Galatians. Okay? The letter, letter of Galatians as a, as a whole. And we recall from, from last year when I did a series on Galatians that the church there has several... Uh, big disputes and people really not, not getting on with each other. And so you say, what's Paul going to, to write to these people? Uh, what's, he, what's he going to emphasize as he tries to unify the church? Okay, it's, it's along the lines of Jews and Gentiles. It's along the lines of... Um, um, the, the law versus, you know, the, the uh, Mosaic law versus just uh, the freedom in Christ. And so these are sort of the, the disputes. Who can we eat with? Who do we need to avoid? And, and it's got ugly at times. And so the, the fruit of the Spirit is then written to these people that are in, the, in a church, or, or maybe it's different congregations, or congregations that are split. We, we don't know. We know there's several congregations involved. And, um, and so the fruit of the Spirit is written to them. And, and he says, remember, this is who God is making you. Okay? But we see a couple of themes as we go through Galatians. One of them is the role of the Spirit. Okay? Because it's the Holy Spirit that unifies us. Okay? It's the Holy Spirit that, that 
we have in common, the presence of God in our lives. Okay? So there may be things that we disagree over. There may be things that we're not sure about or, or maybe even habits of other people that we don't like about them. Right? There, there can be a lot of things. They, they cheer for the wrong football team. They, I don't know. You know but the, whatever it is, there, there can be differences, but we're still unified by the Holy Spirit. And so that is one of those themes. The, the other theme is that we're not just unified by the Holy Spirit. We're unified by our faith. Okay, And, when, and this perhaps precedes the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're unified by our faith, our relationship with God. And we get a sense of how much Paul talks about um, faith by looking at a, a graph here. So uh, these are, you, you can see there's, there's three columns there that are very tall. So this is the number of times the word faith shows up in each of Paul's letters. So Romans is clearly Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then Galatians. Um, and then we also get down there to, uh, what is it, First Timothy. So um, Galatians is actually the, the second tallest on that graph for the number of times that faith shows up in the book. And, and we can just look at that and we can go, wow, Paul really emphasized faith. Because Galatians is a much shorter book than First Corinthians or Second Corinthians. Um, and, and yet... It's almost double the number of times that he talks about faith to them. So for their problems that they had going on, faith was something that was important as a solution that, that Paul wanted to emphasize. Another way of looking at it, you go, this is just per thousand words, okay? So it was a percentage rather than a number that sort of does away with how long a book is. And you can see that it's still second. This time it's to... Um, First Timothy is the, has the most, and then Galatians is second. So either way you look at it, Paul is emphasizing faith to these people. How do we solve the arguing, you know, the conflict that's taking place in the church? In both instances of these themes, it's by reminding people what we have in common. What we have in common is faith in Jesus faith in God, right? Like, we're in the church because we share something in common. And that something is not, some, is not just incidental. It's not a, you know, a detail that's unimportant. The faith that we have is something that's vital to us, and it's why we're here. And, and when we commit to that, when, when we commit to God, we then have the Holy Spirit as well. We have God's presence. It's not just an abstract idea. Our faith is not just a, you know, a theoretical concept. It becomes the presence of God in our lives, the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so these two work together at overcoming the differences that exist, the cultural differences, the socioeconomic differences, the educational differences, the athletic differences, the, the Types of literature differences, the favorite TV station differences, the, the Ford versus um, the GM differences. You know, it, it's, it's all of these differences that we might have that the faith of God 
faith in God, relationship with God, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives can bring together to accomplish unity in the church. And it's in this context, then, that we look at the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's addressing these things. And so, we begin the fruit of the Spirit by talking about love, joy, and peace. Okay, just those three for now. Love, joy, and peace. And they are about what, what should we feel, what should we experience as people of God? What should the church be like? It should be loving, it should be joyful, it should be peaceful. As, as people of God, we should be loving, we should be joyful, we should bring peace with us where we go. Okay, so love, joy, peace, but they're more sort of how, how do I feel? What does God do for me? Okay, and, and then we, we move in to the next three. Okay, so love, joy, peace, patience, yep, kindness, and goodness, okay? So patience, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness. These are very clearly how we interact with other people, all right? Whereas the first three can be how I feel in my relationship with God, the next three are how do we interact with other people patiently, kindly, and emphasis making good choices, okay? And so these, these three... Um, there also can be a group, which brings us to our last group. And our last group is a little more what might be considered virtues. Uh, one author I read said that these are virtues that were particularly valued in Greek culture, Greek ethics, Greek philosophy. And so uh, when we get to the, to the first one today of faithfulness, that's, uh, we're, we're moving into this new part of the, of, of the list. Now, one of the problems we have when we talk about faithfulness or talk about faith is that it has so many meanings, okay? Um, when we think of the word, let, let me give another example. You know, remember those books, uh, I think they're called dictionaries, and, and you could look up words in them, but this was before phones and whatever, you know, but you could look up a word and, and it would tell you what the word means. And sometimes there would be a little one at the front and say, this is definition number one. Then there'd be a two and it'd say, this is definition number two. So if you look up the word earth, it might tell you, okay, definition number one is the planet. Okay, definition number two would be you know, dirt or soil. We call that earth, don't we? Uh, you might look at definition number three, and it could be like the electrical wire that, that goes into the ground, the ground or the earth. You know, so, so there could be different ways that we define three for a word that's fairly simple, like earth. Okay? So when we come to faith, you look that up in, in a dictionary, and all of a sudden it's like a list that looks like this. Okay? And so let me give you, I'm not going to, to take you through all of those, but let me look at three examples that we have here um, in Scripture. In Galatians chapter 1 and uh, verse 23, and here Paul is like giving his testimony of, of what happened, where he went. Starting in verse 21, he says, I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. 
They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. So what is the faith there? So like the church, uh, the set of beliefs, right? Um, So it's, you know, it's sort of the set of beliefs, I think, is probably the, the easiest way. It's, a, it's an intellectual thing. You could destroy it, right? If you destroy the church, if you burn their documents, then get rid of those ideas. The faith is destroyed. Okay? And so we can use faith in that way. Now, over in Galatians chapter 5, we're now talking about what Christ has, has done for us. And... Um, He's talking here about a discussion about circumcision and how important that is for Jews and Gentiles. And he says this in verse 4, You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, if we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope, Um, For through the Spirit, we eagerly await the righteousness, by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And so, there's a couple of things there, right? For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith. And then, uh, down here in verse 6, All that counts is faith expressing itself through love. This faith is not talking about the church. It's not talking about a set of documents, something that can be destroyed in that way. It's talking about the relationship that we have with God. I have faith in God. I have faith in Jesus. My, My faith in God, my relationship in God is being expressed through love to people around me. Okay? Because of my relationship with God, this is how I act. Because of my faith that, that God is who He says He is, that, that he's, this is the way things are, then um, this, is, this is how we conduct ourselves. And so that's a second form of, of faith. And then Romans chapter 3 and verse 3, we could... I could have stayed in Galatians and you know, gone to verse, uh, chapter 5 and verse 23, and there it says, uh, verse 22, and there it says, faithfulness. But I wanted to give you a little more context. So in Romans chapter 3 and verse 3, and here, again, Paul is having a similar conversation about um, Jews and Gentiles, about circumcision, and uncircumcision. And he says in verse 2, First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true, and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. Okay, I'm not going to go through all of that, but here's the, the, the surprising thing, because the word faithfulness doesn't fit either of our sort of definitions that we've used so far. 
What if some of you were unfaithful? We go, oh yeah, if I walked away from that relationship that I have with God. Okay, what about that? That would be unfaithful, right? If I acted in a way that contradicted that set of beliefs that could be you know, written down. Now, yeah, that would be unfaithful. But then he says, will there, will that unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? What faith does God have? Does God have faith in you? Right? Is he going, I just got faith that he's going to do the right thing. I'm disappointed again. Right? Right? Does God have faith in us? And, and we could say, in a sense, he does. He has faith in the church to represent him. Right? He, he's entrusted us with various responsibilities. And so perhaps we could sort of say this away. But what it's talking about here is not, does God have faith in in us, it's saying God is faithful. Okay? So, so that God is faithful means, that, means something different again, doesn't it? It means that he's consistent, that he's dependable, that he's reliable. And, um, and, and that he does what he says that he'll do. That is the faithfulness of God. And so we make these confessions. We say, yes, I'm going to be a Christian, God. This is my, my profession of my faith in you. It, it's also a, a statement of my faithfulness, right? I will be faithful to you, God, because of my trust, my faith, my relationship with you. And then he says, well, even if we mess up, right? That doesn't change who God is, because God is still faithful. And so faithfulness, as we're talking about in the fruit of the Spirit, isn't necessarily connected to what we, might, what we believe about God. It's not connected to, to what we think about God. It's about our character. Can we be faithful like God is faithful, okay? Because we're, we're talking here about, about virtues and uh, character traits. Now, it's important to notice then at this point that faithfulness isn't, even though it's listed here in the fruit of the Spirit, it isn't intrinsically a good or a bad thing, right? Faithfulness depends on the object, Okay. And I know I'm getting like deep in the weeds here with grammar, and I'm sorry about that. But like, what is our faith or faithfulness in? Because we can, you know, you say, oh, faithfulness, that's a virtue. Everybody should be faithful. But we can be faithful to the wrong stuff, can't we? <laughs> right? I, I can be, be faithful to an investment that I made in a company that manufactures balloons out of lead. Right? And, and I'm sticking with it. Right? Or, or, or there might be some other investment. And despite it going down, 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 I'm going to be faithful to that investment. It'll come back up one day. Right? And, and we say, yeah, that's who I am. I'm faithful. I get in something, I stay in something. You can count on me. We just end up broke. <laughs> and, 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 and that faithfulness was not a gift from the Holy Spirit. That was a gift of ignorance from I don't know where. You know, so we, we, we need to understand that faithfulness has to be combined with wisdom, 
has to be combined with humility that we can change our mind and make mistakes and do things better if we make another curve. I mean, it, it's not an absolute that just saying, oh yeah, I'm faithful, therefore I am spiritual. Therefore I'm like God. Okay? Because we put our faith sometimes in the wrong people. Ever been let down by someone you trusted? Yeah, right? You keep trusting them because you're faithful? It's like, no, you, you learn about it, don't you? You learn from that experience. And you'd be more, more cautious in who you, who you trust. Who are we faithful to in our lives? Our families? Our employers or employees? Faithful to God? To our word? To our promises? You see, throwing faithfulness into a list of virtues like this can be applied in many different areas of our lives. I want to work our way this morning through Hebrews chapter 11. Not the whole chapter. But this is commonly referred to as the hall of faith, right? Um, the, the, the great, some great people from Scripture who were faithful to God, who demonstrated, not were faithful in that they stuck with God for the most part, but also they showed faith. They showed trust in, in difficult times. And, uh, and so we look at this list and we learn from them. And we start with, with Noah, right? And we say, well, Noah demonstrated faith because he built an ark where there was no water. Right? Built a boat where there was no water. He was also faithful to that project because we're told it took him hundreds of years. Right? He was faithful to get on the boat and then to begin a new life on the other side. We look at Abraham. Abraham takes up the, the largest portion of this chapter. And there are several times where Abraham's faith is tested. What we're talking about there is his commitment to God was tested. His commitment to obeying God was tested. And you know, none more so than from the very beginning where he receives this message and God says, Abraham, I want you to go to a new place that you've never been to. You've never even received a postcard from this place. And I want you to go there. And I'll, I'll let you live there. And Abraham says yes. And again, he's in it for the long haul because he gets there and the land isn't given to him. Now, he becomes wealthy. He's able to live there. But he never actually, the only um, land that he owns is Sarah's, I believe, Sarah's tomb. You know, like he doesn't take possession of the land. Despite him living, what, close to 100. And so Abraham was faithful to the commitment. Yeah, he messed up along the way several times. And that's why God needs to be faithful to us. That's why we depend on his, his faithfulness. But he was in it for the long haul. Joseph. Joseph was sold into 
slavery. His faith was, was tested. I don't even know what his relationship with God was like. Removed from his family, I don't know how much he knew about God, Yahweh. But after he's reunited with his brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery, after he's forgiven them and the relationship is restored, he's on his deathbed. And he says to his children, he says to those who are there, he says, do this for me. When you leave Egypt and go back to the land that God has promised, take my my body with you and bury me there. That's a statement of faith, right? Faith in God that it's going to happen. That the, the promise made to Abraham is going to be fulfilled. That their time in slavery, even their time in the palace, well, they weren't in slavery at the time, their, their time in the palace, their time in the, the good land that had been given to them, that, that that will come to an end and they will return to the land God has promised them. And Joseph says, I want you to take what's left of me with you. Bury me there. And, and again, it's, it's faith, but it's also faithful because it's something he has no control over, right? He's, he's trusting these, these other people to do it. And it's going to take, again, centuries. And we're told in, in Exodus that they t- do take his remains with them when they leave Egypt under Moses. Moses is another figure of faith. He led Israel out of Egypt. And we see from his initial calling at the burning bush that he says, I don't think I can do this. And this would be an example of where God says, actually, Moses, I have more faith in you than you have in yourself. And, And so Moses, through all his uncertainty, becomes the leader of the nation of Israel, leads them out of the greatest world power on the planet at that time, the Egyptians, through the Red Sea, and ultimately, after many years, into the promised land. And, and again, that's not just his faith. It's his faithfulness because it, it's through the wilderness. It's through the complaining. And, and again, Moses has his ups, has his moments of, of, of you know, unfaithfulness, of distrust, of self-sufficiency. But he is faithful not just to the border of the promised land, He then does a big loop back through the wilderness for 40 years. We've been, we were watching in the the fall uh, videos of, um, I guess, like a a Bible teacher, but they were on location in, in Israel, in that area. And some of them were in the wilderness. And every time I see pictures or videos of the wilderness, like, I don't need to spend 40 minutes there, to be honest. Right? It's hot, it's rocky, there's no water. It's like everything you think a wilderness is. It is. And they spent 40 years. Moses led the people for 40 years through that wilderness, away from the border of the promised land because of the people's lack of faith. 
and then back around to the border of the promised land again. Moses got to look at it. He got to see it. And then he passed away, trusting that God, that God would lead the people into the land. Rahab, once they get into the land, she protected Israel's spies that they sent out to scout ahead of them. And and the first large walled city that they come to, and she's in the city and she protects the spies, hides them from from the the soldiers, the Jericho soldiers that would obviously kill them if they found them. And um, because of her act of faith, she believed that the God that, that she'd heard about coming up the uh, through the wilderness, out of Egypt, all these stories that have been gathering for, for decades. She, she believes in that God and says, this city can't stand in the way of that. And so she risks her life protecting the spies. Now, as we go through those notable people, it's easy to highlight the things that they did that represent faith and faithfulness. But I want us just to to switch perspective for just a moment and look at each of those people and say, how was God faithful to them? You see, Noah could build a boat. He could fill it with animals and people. It could even rain and the boat might float. It could be a storm that covers the world. And you're the only living things in this boat on the planet. How confident are you that you're ever going to get off the boat? You see, it was the faithfulness of God that kept them afloat. It was the faithfulness of God that maybe stop them killing each other on the boat, you know, all that time. It was the faithfulness of God that allowed them to settle, to land in a place that was habitable, that they could settle, that they could establish, you know, know, it was the faithfulness of God throughout that story that makes the story of Noah possible. Abraham left his family, but he has this promise from God that one day, his descendants will be a great nation. Abraham never saw it. He saw his children. He saw his grandchildren, maybe. But that was about it. Wasn't very many. And, and, and yet God is faithful. Because by the time we get to Exodus and the descendants of Abraham are coming out of Egypt, they are a great nation. And we can look at that and we say, well, Abraham had faith, but God was faithful. Joseph had no control over whether his bones made it back to Israel or not. That was what he wanted. He trusted that God would do it. He trusted that God was going to take his people back to the promised land. But he had no control. He was dead, right? That's the whole point of the story. It took centuries. Joseph had faith that it would happen. God was faithful and made it happen. Okay? Moses had faith that, yes, he could 
go through the wilderness. He could do the things that God asked him. He, he had faith that God was taking him to a promised land. But Moses didn't go into the land, but God was faithful. He was with Moses through all of that wilderness wandering and with Joshua and the people of Israel into the land. God was faithful. For Rahab, yes, she took a risk harboring the spies and protecting them. And, and, and she may, acted out of faith that their God was greater than the gods of the city she lived in. But that would have, could have been the end of the story. Right? The spies made a promise and they said, hey, we'll protect you. Just hang a rope out your window. But when the walls came tumbling down, the spies had no control over which parts of the wall came down. They had no control over who would pay attention to that rope, but God was faithful to Rahab and not only spared her and her family when the walls came down, not only spared her when the Israelite soldiers came into the city, but integrated her into the nation of Israel and into the lineage of Jesus. God was faithful. Rahab had faith, but God was faithful. And so when we talk about faithfulness, we're talking about this being in it for the long haul. There's this reliability that we keep our words as God has done. In Hebrews chapter 12, and the first three verses there, following on from this great chapter of faith, it says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the, face, the, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose hearts. There's some really important words in there. Okay. I mean, the past verse is important, but for our context today, the first is that we're to run with perseverance. You've started a race. Make sure that you finish it. Okay. But in order to finish it, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to fix your eyes on the finish line. <laughs> fix your eyes, not on the finish line, fix your eyes on Jesus. Right? Sometimes we might say, oh, I'm going to fix my eyes on heaven. No, fix your eyes on Jesus. Okay? Why fix your eyes on Jesus? Well, we're given this description of him. He is both the pioneer and the perfecter of faith okay he's the author and the finisher he's the alpha and the omega of faith and so jesus is an example of faithfulness right we don't just start with jesus as the letter a and stop at the letter s right he's like okay good luck guys i'm out of here jesus goes from a to z from alpha to omega the pioneer, and the perfecter, the perfecter, the completer of faith. And then we, we get this explained. What does that mean? How does Jesus do this? Well, it says that then he, in, he endured the cross, right? Again, he didn't jump off the cross. 
He stayed on it. He, he scorned the shame. He accepted the shame. And then because he got through it, then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so then we're told to consider this person. Consider him who endured this opposition from sinners. Who demonstrated faithfulness to his mission, to his cause, to his purpose. And when you consider him, allow that to help you not to lose hearts. Okay? Not to grow weary. And so Jesus becomes the example, not just of faith, but of faithfulness. And then we come back. It's not on there. But we come back to God's faithfulness. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. We, talk, we, we looked at this verse last week. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day that Jesus returns, until the day of Jesus Christ. So... There's a faithfulness here. Don't you want to know that God doesn't just begin a work in us? I, I don't know if any of you are on the Nextdoor app or website. It, it's it, you know it's for, supposed to be for people in your neighborhood, and you're supposed to you know if someone needs a cup of sugar, you can exchange it and do this. But you know, in theory, it's really good because it's just local, not all over the world, and it's what's going on in our neighborhood and and. and you know, like any good thing, it turns out with a lot of people complaining about everything. And, uh, you know, why is it so noisy in my neighborhood? There's dogs next door that are barking. There's motorbikes going up and down my street. But amongst the other things that people complain about are the people that, that come around and they, they offer services. Whether it be snow plowing, kitchen renovation, bathroom renovation, you know, some roofing or siding repairs. And they're, they're there at the beginning. They're willing to start the job. And that's not why people talk about them on next door. People talk about them on next door because they don't finish the job. Oh, yeah, I'll plow your driveway every time it's half an inch of snow. Okay, never see them again. And so we, we want to, when, when we're talking about God, we want to know this is more important than plowing my driveway. This is my life. This is my eternity. I don't want to just be sold something that, that starts out with a lot of promise. I want something that, that goes all the way through, that finishes on that promise. And so, being confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Whether we recognize it or not, we depend upon the faithfulness of God. And all of that brings us back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, which was read for us earlier. And uh, these particular verses are perhaps, uh, uh, I think what we're saying is they're not original with, with Paul, the author of the letter. They're perhaps a, a song, a poem, a, maybe a little statement of faith that he's quoting it and saying, look, here's this saying that you all know. And he says, and I'm telling you, it's trustworthy. If we died with him, if we're baptized, if we commit our lives to him, then we will live with him, start to finish. If we endure, right, if we go through everything that's hard and difficult, 
we will also reign with him. If we disown him, if we walk away, if we say, nope, I don't know who he is, I don't care who he is, I'm just off on my own, then he says, yeah, he's going to disown us. <laughs> right? But, and this is my, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, if we are faithless, when we get into those situations when we're in over our head, when we just don't know what to do, when we give up, when we say, I don't know if I've got the faith to get through this, when we go through phases in our life where we're, we're not as regular, not as in our routine with God, where we're not as committed, where we get distracted with other things, when, when we go find ourselves in those circumstances, if we are faithless, He remains faithful. He remains faithful. You see, my salvation is not dependent on having my faith or faithfulness at a hundred every day of my life. My faith, uh, my, my salvation, my eternal life is dependent on God having His faithfulness at 100 every day of my life. Okay? And that's a, that's a big difference. And so, if we are faithless, He remains faithful. Why? Because He cannot disown Himself. When we still have that faith relationship with Him, when we're still connected to Him, we're part of Him. We're part of His family. And as long as we're in that relationship, we're told that God can't disown us because that would be disowning Himself. Right? It would be cutting off His own hand. He's not going to do that. Okay? God is faithful. And so when we come back to the fruit of the Spirit, completing the circle, what is it? What is the virtue that God wants us to have, wants us to grow, wants us to develop? It's faithfulness. Okay? Because we already have faith in Him. Okay? We already have the Holy Spirit within us. We're already living as a Christian, committed to him. But he says, I want you as a character in your transactions with other people, in your relationships with other people, I want you to demonstrate faithfulness. That you're someone who can be depended upon, who can be relied upon, that, that is confident in your relationship with me, and confident in the way that you represent me. Faithfulness. But we get our model from Jesus and from God himself. The ultimate sources of faithfulness. We sang this song last week and um, in the back there you can keep clicking through. But it, uh, I think Larry was a week early or maybe he was just warming us up. And uh, so we're going to, uh, to sing this song now and after this uh, Gerard will lead us in a song before the Lord's Supper. Morning by morning I wake up to find the power and comfort of God's hand in mine. Season by season I watch him amaze in awe of the mystery of his perfect ways. All I have need of 
his hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. I can't remember a trial or a pain he did not recycle to bring me gain. I can't remember one single regret in serving God only and trusting His hand. All I have need of, His hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. This is my anthem, this is my song. The theme of the stories I've heard for so long. God has been faithful, he will be again. His loving compassion, it knows no end. All I have need of, His hand will provide. He's always been faithful. He's always